Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to another amazing week here on the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to connect with Daniel Henderson, the founder and president of Strategic Renewal. As a senior pastor for over 20 years, Daniel brought prayer-based revitalization to numerous churches, and now as one of the most respected leaders on prayer, Daniel dedicates his time to helping pastors and churches across the country and around the world experience renewal. Daniel has authored numerous books on biblical leadership and prayer, including Old Paths, New Power, and Transforming Prayer, How Everything Changes When You Seek God's Face. Now, on this week's episode, Daniel and I discuss ways that ministry leaders can develop their personal prayer life. Daniel also shares how ministry is received rather than achieved and provides encouraging examples of how you can help your church develop the roots of revival and renewal. It's such a powerful episode and one you will definitely want to share with your ministry leaders, so be sure to pass it along. But before we jump in, I want to let you know about a great opportunity coming up for your churches. You can invite your church to the movies to see I Still Believe, a film based on the true story of worship artist Jeremy Camp. This family-friendly film will encourage, entertain, and strengthen your faith. And for group tickets, you can go to istillbelievemovie.com and simply click group tickets. So be sure to check that out. And now, please, won't you join me in my conversation with Daniel Henderson. Daniel, so good to have you with us again on the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you for making the time. Yes, it's always a privilege to talk with you, Jason. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited because we find ourselves in a new year once again. And oftentimes in the beginning of a new year, as as pastors and ministry leaders begin to be thinking about um, what this new year will hold. And we're planning and we're preparing and we're praying. And so, Daniel, I was wondering, what advice do you have for pastors that are seeking to make prayer a more central focus in their personal lives? It's really a vital topic, I think, for all of us as pastors. We know that uh, prayer is one of our primary priorities in ministry, uh, both corporately and privately, but it's hard to lead where you've not gone yourself. So I think we tend to try to evaluate our approach in prayer, our approach to our devotional life, um, which is really vital. You know, I've done a reset this year as well. But even more than approach is, I think, the issue of appetite. Um, I think it's a great time to do an appetite assessment because even our time with God, our devotional life, as we call it, can become very burdensome and routine if we haven't really taken time to to look at what our spiritual appetite is. Uh, For me, Jason, what I do every December, actually, in anticipation of the new year is I go away for a three-day personal retreat, and I call that an appetite reset, you know, mm-hmm. to unplug from all the noise and activity, to just practice the disciplines of prayer, fasting, solitude, silence, reading, rest, meditation. Uh, we all know that in the Russian life, it's kind of like trying to change a tire while the car's driving, you know, so <laughs> uh, it's good just to stop the car. Uh, prior to the year or even now early in the year and and just say, Lord, what is my appetite for you? And I really do believe those times of getting away just to be with Jesus, just to really let your soul get some rest and refreshment is the key to making what approach you take really work in the course of the year. That's great. I love that idea of um, getting away and 
And I love how you describe that as kind of checking, checking your appetite. Whenever you process through that, do you actually set any particular goals for, you know, the upcoming year concerning prayer? You know, I do. I I actually have a, a personal renewal process I wrote about in one of my books called The Deeper Life. And um, it's around eight questions, eight issues. I'll just unpack them real quickly. My theology, identity, my purpose, my values, my priorities, my goals, my time, and my legacy. Don't expect you to repeat that to me. But, um, you know, my prayer life is really oriented around those points of renewal in my Bible I've written a personal theology statement that's just a one-page, you know, summary of the attributes of God as relates to the struggles of my life. I have an identity statement that just reminds me who I am in Christ, a purpose statement, etc. And that's how I really begin my prayer time each each morning. And then out of that, I have set goals. You know, I think sometimes we set goals as if we're kind of planting our feet in midair. I remember when I was in college, I set some crazy goals. One of them was to own a herd of buffalo by the time I was 30. I have no idea <laughs> why I set that goal, right? <laughs> but uh, I just love buffalo, okay? So so really, the question is, is you're setting goals for your prayer life based on what? And for me, uh, my prayer life goals, my personal prayer life goals are really rooted in just this issue of knowing God, living my identity in Christ, fulfilling my mission, because really— and I say this in our coaching with pastors, the issue is really not prayer. It's what prayer accomplishes. Prayer is the means to the end of of many things, right? Uh, The glory of God, a life of integrity, spiritual fruitfulness, uh, you know, a renewed church, we could go on and on. So that's kind of the process I have used to shape my prayer life. Of course, uh, as you might know from our previous conversations, I'm really big on what I call scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. So my daily prayer life comes out of my Bible reading, and I usually isolate uh, truths about God and then begin my prayer time really in a worship focus. I always say, seek his face before I seek his hand. Mm. And, you know, like probably a lot of our listeners, I have a notebook where I keep track of, of prayer needs for our family, our staff, our board, lost people in my community, et cetera. Yeah, that's, that's great, Daniel. And as you're progressing throughout the year, and you're going through this process in your uh, kind of focused time with God each day. Is there a way that you're kind of checking checking back and, and evaluating like where you are or how far you've uh, come or developed or, or what has come up in life? And, uh, you know, are there ways that you kind of check in on that in any specific way? That I love that question because the truth is I also do one of those mid-year personal retreats. I do that twice a year. So I will do one in December in anticipation of the year, and then usually another one in June to do the very thing you talked about, Jason, to, to evaluate where am I? You know, have I kind of fallen in some of my disciplines? How do I need to reset and recharge? And as we said earlier, refuel my appetite for the Lord. I, I just think in our uh, context, there's so much noise and activity to to really unplug from social media and technology and to get away and be with the Lord in a, a regular rhythm. Probably some of those listening might do it quarterly, but for me, to your very point, mid-year, I find that I need to do that very thing to really check where I am, how I need to reset my focus and stay on track. Excellent. Excellent. I love that, Daniel. Do you use any um, prayer tools uh, such as the examine or centering prayer or anything kind of specific 
So three things um, come to mind. One is uh, I actually start, you find this to be perhaps funny, I start my prayer time each morning by reading the prayers of dead guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's an old collection of period prayers, you may have heard of it, called Valley of Vision. And another book I've been enjoying the last couple of years by John Bailey called A Diary of Private Prayer, where he has a prayer in the morning and evening. He's a, an old Scottish theologian. Uh, he's been dead a while. And I don't know what it is. I just love the thoughtfulness and language uh, that that really, I think, flows into to that. And so that's really one of the, the tools that I use uh, in terms of, of prayer. Uh, we, we republished a tool called the 2959 Plan that um, a guy named Peter Lord did years ago, sold lots of copies, I think like 500,000 copies, and he gave us the rights to it. It's a notebook, three-ring notebook, and it gives you areas of prayer focus. Uh, but that's really based, and we kind of refigured it, on the model of the Lord's Prayer. So, uh, you know, when I speak, I always say, you know, we have we have created so many adjectives for prayer. If you Google prayer on Amazon, you got this kind of prayer, that kind of prayer, you know, acts, facts, slacks, tracks, and, you know, <laughs> everything, you know. And uh, and I don't want to pick on any of those. They're all fine. But what we really teach and what I've learned is when Jesus said, pray this way, you know, and he gave the model prayer. And I'm sure those listening know this. It, it's called a, it's a present imperative in the Greek. It literally means you must pray this way and you must always pray this way. And that wasn't to be a, a noose or a chain around our neck. That was to be a biblical balance pattern. And if Jesus said, pray this way, then my view is all the other methodologies only have value to the degree that they align with that, right? Mm -hmm. So so we, we see that prayer in four parts, and that's really how I, I model my prayer life. They all start with R, Jason, because I went to seminary, you know, but uh, <laughs> we call it reverence, response, request, readiness. And if I could just real quickly unpack that, yeah. reverence, our Father art in heaven, how be thy name, starting with God's face, just worship out of the word as the spirit inspires. You know, I always say, you know, don't ask God for anything at that point, just worship him based on his word for who he is. And then that demands a response. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in my prayer life, that is now, if God's who he is, then I've got to respond in confession, surrender, yieldedness, trading in my agenda for his, my will, my kingdom for his. And then I always say, you don't even know what to pray about until you've worshiped well and surrendered completely. And so the third part of that model prayer, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That part of the prayer really is dealing with our daily needs. And if I could stutter, Jason, on my R's just for a moment, mm -hmm. I think of two words, resources and relationships. Under that request category or column, there are two categories, uh, uh, resource needs, our daily bread, and relationship needs. Forgive us as we forgive others. And you know what's interesting, Jason? Any prayer list you've ever looked at, everything on that list is either a resource need or a relationship need, mm -hmm. which just shows the insight Jesus had about our prayer life. Right. It'd be great now if you could pray all day, but that last part of the prayer, that fourth movement, that fourth R, is what I call readiness. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. Well, actually evil, but email <laughs> can feel that way. <laughs> uh, nice. So, yeah, so that's readiness for battle, you know, and I think 
best way to do that is meditate on the Word of God, right? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So uh, if you if you remember the old 4-4 pattern of music, upward, downward, inward, outward, kind of, that's how I envision the prayer. Upward in response, downward, I'm sorry, upward in reverence, downward in response, inward with request, and outward with readiness. And Jason, it's almost like that pattern is on my bifocals, and every time I look at the Scripture to pray, that's what I'm looking for. You know, what does this tell me about God? And then how can I respond? And now what do I need to pray about based on the scriptures that God's putting on my heart today? And how do I get battle ready by hiding his word in my heart before I engage in the day, daily activities? So it's a lot to drink in, but but that's the model prayer. And I guess I've become so passionate about that because Jesus said it very clearly. Present imperative. You must always pray this way. So that's that's what I do. Sorry, I, it's not in a nutshell. It's like in a barrel, but anyway. No, I love it. I lo- I love the barrel, the the reverence, response, <laughs> requests, and readiness. That's uh, in just how it's modeled off of the Lord's prayer. I think is is super powerful, and I love that for you know our, our personal life, our personal devotion. But can you talk to me a little bit about how even this what we've just talked about this this kind of model of prayer? How have maybe you as a pastor yourself or have seen other pastors kind of take this from a a personal uh, time of prayer, but the, but then kind of train up the church or kind of develop it in in a way that you're discipling people? Um, are, there, are there some practical ways to go about doing that within a church setting? Well, you're in my wheelhouse now because that's what I really uh, think is so vital. Uh, you may know, Jason, we uh, have personally coached in small group cohorts uh, 500 church leaders over the last five years on online uh, where I have the opportunity to interact with them on how do you develop a life-giving culture of prayer in the church. And uh, if some of your listeners want to look at it, just prayercoaching.com. It's really easy to find. But, uh, Jason, one of the things that every—you may seem like this sounds crazy, but every pastor just has loved about that is the tools and how do you use that model prayer to lead people in a corporate experience. And and by the way, that model prayer, the context was corporate experience. I love what Al Mohler says, there's no I in the Lord's Prayer. And if, you know, all of us who thought about it, all the pronouns are plural. And of course, the way they practice that, you know, go into your inner room. Well, in Acts, the inner room was the upper room. That's where they gathered to pray. And um, in fact, if I could just add one more sidebar, the only example of how the early church prayed, not that they prayed, but how they prayed, is found in Acts chapter 4, that great prayer meeting as persecution began to hit them. And what's so interesting about that prayer is they actually follow the model prayer that Jesus gave them, which is so phenomenal. Uh, They didn't start with their needs. They started with sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth. They started with reverence. And then interesting, they moved to response when they said, do according to whatever your plan and your will has predetermined to take place. They surrendered to his will. And then they prayed about their need in the moment, which was for boldness and for the Lord to to be present in their situation. And then, of course, in readiness, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and went out and spoke the word of God with boldness. So fascinating to me. Um, So when I teach pastors, I, I tell them, here's how not to start a prayer time. Does anybody have any prayer requests? <laughs> right. I think we would all probably agree 90% of the prayer meetings we've been in or led starts there. And they say, why not? Well, first of all, that starts the whole prayer meeting man word instead of God word. 
Secondly, it's a, it's a horrible use of time because everybody wants to kind of therapeutically unpack every body part of their aunt that's not working and the cars <laughs> of all their buddies that are broken. You know what I'm saying? It right. just goes in the deep. So I say, don't start with that. Secondly, don't start. This may sound interesting to you, Jason. And I've done this so many times. Let's just praise we feel led. Now, we've all said that, right? Yeah. But here's what happens. It gets lost in translation. What I think we mean is led by the Spirit. But what happens is people hear, just pray whatever starts coming to your mind, right? <laughs> and it becomes this disconnected mishmash of thoughts uh, that really has no focus or unity. Uh, and I even tell them, don't even start like this. Let's pray around the circle. Because then people have to pray because it's their turn. You know, the introverts are having a panic attack. And, <laughs> you know, if you're the last one in the circle, that really stinks because everybody already stole all your material, right? Um, so I always say, where do you start a prayer meeting corporately? You start in the Word of God. I always say every prayer meeting ought to start, let's, let's open our Bibles. Um, Eugene Peterson said it this way, prayer is answering speech. The first word everywhere and always is God's word to us, not our word to him. Mm. And so starting with the scripture in a prayer meeting and then asking those diagnostic questions I just kind of mentioned to you, who is God in this text and how do we begin in worship? And then how should we respond and what should we pray about? The word of God gives language to so much of that. And as a pastor leads prayer, um, when you have people... I had one friend say the other day, I used to pray with my Bible closed and my eyes closed. Now I pray with my eyes open and my Bible open. Mm. And he said, and that's how I lead our people in prayer, praying out of the scripture. And so we really equip pastors how to do that. And uh, whether you've got just a few minutes or you've got an hour and a half prayer meeting, um, I just think the Lord's honored when you do what he said in terms of how you pray together, right? And the Word of God is full of, of prompters and truths to help us do that. Yeah, and speaking of praying out of Scripture, obviously the, the Holy Spirit is engaged in that process. Can you talk to us a bit about the role that the Holy Spirit plays in prayer? Uh, such a vital question because, you know, who inspired the Scripture, right? The mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. So what I love about praying out of Scripture, I'm actually having a conversation with the author who is living in me to explain to me what he meant by what he said and what I'm supposed to do about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it is the Holy Spirit, obviously Romans 8, who shows us how to pray. Uh, but again, it is the Holy Spirit who, as I mentioned, wrote the Scripture and wants us to know and apply the Scripture more powerfully than ever. So as, as I lead a prayer time, we open our Bible, and we usually, uh, to be honest, uh, I always open my prayers like this, Father, we come in Jesus' name and by the Holy Spirit to pray. And would you now teach us so that we can pray for your glory and for our ultimate good? Uh, and I, I even think the this is a sidebar, Jason, but the in Jesus' name thing, we all know is not a three-word magical charm you throw in at the end of whatever you thought to say. You know, It's how we're supposed to pray based upon the finished work of Christ based upon what we know about the heart, mission, and character of Christ. So I always front load my prayers that way. But then I also, to your point, intentionally focus on the fact that we need the Holy Spirit to show us uh, truths from the Word of God, to convict our hearts, to, to help us pray prayers according to His will. And uh, so, uh, as you know, the Holy Spirit's vital in helping us pray out of the Word of God. Yeah, I, I love that. And 
Daniel, as we're thinking about not only our personal prayer life, but also the corporate prayer life of, of the church that God has entrusted to us, right? And, and you share that those are both equally important. What are some of the challenges that we face as pastors and ministry leaders when it comes to developing a culture of prayer? Uh, well, the biggest challenge, frankly, is thinking that we can point the way instead of lead the way. Mm. Um, you know, we, we, our ministry, my life, I know you would agree, uh, I just is rooted in Acts 6, where, as we know, the widow feeding program broke down. The people wanted the apostles to fix it, and they said, no, uh, we're going to devote ourselves. And interesting about that verse, that's not a reference to their personal prayer lives. That's a reference to how they corporately led the church. And every prayer moment prior to Acts 6 that you see in the church is being led by the leaders. And so we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Uh, Charles Bridges says prayer is one half of our ministry, and it's the half that gives power and effect to the other half. H.B. Uh, Charles, who's a pastoral friend of mine, says when you're flying at 30,000 feet, someone asks you which wing is more important, your right wing or your left wing, you better have them both working. And he said prayer and the Word are the wings of Christian leadership. So to your question, um, the prayer level of a church will never rise any higher than the personal example and passion of the senior leader. And so to have a praying church and to not make prayer one of your top pastoral priorities in terms of how you spend your time and energy is a contradiction that will only lead to frustration and failure. So I always say, Jason, that the, the prayer culture of a church always emanates from the epicenter of leadership. And pastors who want to have a praying church need to ask, number one, am I passionate to lead this based upon the clear biblical priority? But secondly, do we have a praying leadership team? And when I consult with churches, Jason, two questions I always ask them right up front. Number one, how much time do your leaders spend praying together? And number two, what kind of prayer is it? Uh, in other words, the single greatest indicator of whether you're going to have a prayer culture five years from now is whether or not you have a prayer culture within your leadership team. And again, that is the practice of prayer in the ministry of word is the primary means of leading the church. And then, of course, when you do pray, it's not just praying for, you know, all the body parts and the organ recital, you know, Peter's pancreas, Sally's stomach, but it's seeking God. I always say there's a difference between getting together and praying about stuff versus getting together and seeking God. And um, I think that's the key. Uh, if you're going to have a praying church, you know, Rick Warren used to say, if you want to know the spiritual temperature in your church, stick the thermometer in your own mouth, right? And I think uh, if you want to have a praying church, it has to start with you and the leadership. And um, sometimes that takes time. You know, I inherited three churches that had elders who were godly, but they weren't functioning as elders. They were trustees. Mm. Uh, and we had to reshape the whole priority focus of our elders to become leaders of prayer in the ministry of the Word before we really authentically could lead a church to become a house of prayer. I imagine there's probably some pastors listening right now, and especially what you just shared there on the end, feel like they might be in a similar situation as to you were um, in those three different churches. Yeah. Um, so what I'm, I I know that you really help, um, you know, through strategic renewal through your ministry, you really help pastors kind of walk through, you know, their own personal prayer life, but then also kind of that pastoral leadership and 
and ministry leadership transition as well and what that looks like to really get grounded in prayer. But could you just spend um, just a few few minutes? I know it's a really deep subject, but um, a pastor who's who's thinking that, like, yeah, that's that's me. That's where I am right now. Um, what, what are just a few key things that they might um, begin to look at in this new year to help develop um, those, those leaders? Well, very practically, you know, developing your own conviction, obviously, first of all, we've talked about that. One of the things, and, and then clarifying the direction of, of what is in your heart as far as what the leadership DNA ought to be. And clearly you can do that from the scripture, right? I mean, you can read everybody's book from A to Z, but from the scripture, it's very clear uh, that, you know, First Timothy 3, Titus 2, or Titus 1, these are the kind of character qualities we need to have. But in the book of Acts, we see the kind of function we need to fulfill. And so, uh, you know, modeling it, pointing that direction. And then one of the things I learned from my friend Leith Anderson, he said, you know, the key to unity is shared experience. And in each of those contexts, one of the shared experiences we just really dialed in on was reading books that would cultivate a passion and and the priority of prayer as elders or leaders. You know, back in the day, and still today, Jason, of course, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala was a great one. Uh, we pieced together, we, in fact, we read all of his fresh books, Fresh Power, Fresh Faith. Uh, I always said, I wish I had one book that would really guide me in this journey. And so, uh, <laughs> not, not to be self-serving, but I actually wrote the book. It's a book called Old Paths, New Power. And it was really the distillation of what I think every pastor needs to know to reshape the leadership culture and begin to grow a culture of prayer. Uh, Another shared experience that really helped us, Jason, was to be exposed to other praying churches. Um, There's an old Brazilian proverb that says, the heart cannot taste what the eyes have not seen. And when it comes to prayer, you know, most of us, even, you know, the elders right now of the people listening— you know, their perspective on prayer is the old, dead, dry, you know, 45 minutes of requests and a 10-minute alley-oop at the end. Uh, but, you know, so we I've taken over the years, honestly, probably 1,200 church leaders to Brooklyn Tabernacle with me in different groups. Uh, when I got to the church in Minnesota that was $28 million in debt, had just gone through a moral failure, um, we actually chartered two airplanes, uh, an airplane two different times, of 180 passengers, crazy idea. My my whole annual salary was on the line with that one. <laughs> but <laughs> but we literally flew from from Minneapolis early in the morning to uh, JFK. Uh, had a gal go ahead ahead of time and line it all up. Got our tickets, jumped on the subway, came up in the middle of Brooklyn, spent the more the morning or the afternoon really with Pastor Symbol and his team, ate lunch, and then we went to the prayer meeting. And got back on the plane, we we're all home by about 1 a.m. So it's a pretty rigorous deal. But again, um, you know, you get up and say, we need to be praying a praying church. And most people, you know, it's almost like Pavlov's dog. They, they fall asleep or have anxiety attack just thinking about it because they have such a skewed idea of prayer from their past. And so helping people understand the kind of praying we're going to do, why we need to do it this way, taking time. And sometimes it takes two years uh, I had to lose some elders, you know, gain some new ones, just reconfigure the existing ones, uh, but but then have some shared experiences through reading and going to other praying churches. And frankly, one of the reasons we started a thing years ago at Pastor Symbol called the 6-4 Fellowship based on Acts 6 is so that pastors could identify 
with other praying pastors and even find other churches that are a few steps ahead of them and go to their prayer meeting, go experience what they're doing, talk to their pastor. And so stay in a learning mode with your leadership, but make it very clear as to where you need to go and then just be patient getting there. I always say it's a crock pot, not a microwave. And sometimes it does take years to see that culture change. Yeah, and I, I think, Daniel, I, I love that, but I think that's one of the big challenges that, you know, we live, uh, we tend to live in a culture where things happen quickly. And, yeah. um, you know, you just step back and look at, you know, we're, we're coming to the tail end of an NFL season and a lot of coaches got fired over the last couple of weeks um, <laughs> and coaches that were, you know, head coaches just for a, a season or, or two just because they weren't able to, you know, execute or, you know, have that success that um, the owners of the team had hoped for. And sometimes that that leaks into, I think, our lives as pastors and ministry leaders. And we have those kind of pressures and, and some of those expectations might be external, but, but some are definitely probably internal. What words do you have for those who might be listening in now that feel some of those pressures, those expectations, and they feel like something has to happen quickly. And yet we know that that's not always how God works or how the spirit works. Yeah, I think one of the dangers is trying to create change too quickly in order to validate our own sense of significance or success, you know, and, and you mentioned football, it's a classic example. Uh, again, quoting Leith Anderson, he, he always said, um, uh, when you're, when you're driving a car, uh, the, the driver never gets car sick. And it's, a, it's an analogy for change. Uh, first of all, you, you got to have the long view because you may you know, be trying to just change things immediately for the sake of success or getting the numbers up. But the people in the back of the bus are just puking all over themselves and they're not sure what's going on. Right. So uh, you, you got to be slow and deliberate, but then you got to communicate clearly why you're doing what you're doing. One of the things in our coaching we tell pastors, you've got to figure out what your priorities are and communicate those to your team, your elders, obviously your family, your your church even. And if prayer is one of your priorities, then they've got to understand that that you've got to say no to other stuff. Others have said it different ways. I've said it for two decades. The power of no is in a stronger yes. And being able to say no to a lot of the pressures of instant success or instant results or, you know, 20 new programs has to be rooted in the yes that, no, we're going to stay on this pathway of growing a prayer culture so that what happens here is really supernatural and life transformational. And I think that's so vital. One of the things I hope uh, I can just share briefly that has been revolutionary for me is that in Western society, and your football analogy reminded me of this, we are the ultimate achievement culture. But in the New Testament, ministry was not achieved, it was received. Mm. And, and, and we really have to get that as a conviction. Because let's be honest, you, you can drum up a bigger crowd and better programs all in the flesh. And, you know, we have more tools today than we've ever had in our life. And there's nothing wrong with those tools. But there is a difference between simply using those tools and relying on those tools. And the acid test is, is really the prayer level of the church. And if you look at the explosive growth of the early church um, and how they prayed, you know, you, you wonder, man, that's so different than what we're doing today. 
And, and honestly, the reason, Jason, I think they prayed the way they did is because they actually believed that the Holy Spirit was the how-to. Mm. And we tend to think the Holy Spirit helps us with our how-to. In other words, why, sh- why should we pray for an hour and we can Google some smart guy's answer in 10 minutes and have a strategy in place and be on our merry way, hoping the Holy Spirit will attach his wagon to our train? But um, you have to have those convictions, and you have to graciously communicate it over and over again. You have to have this strength to say no to, to all the other demands and distractions and shiny things that are always swimming by, and, and stay on course. And while it does take time, Man, is it worth it. Um, and if I could just say one more thing, Jason, I think one of the reasons that prayer simply becomes the, and not to throw this under the bus, the first 21 days of the year, you know, we all do that. Right. That's a good thing. Or sometimes prayer becomes the theme of, of the, the month or whatever, is because we're just not in it for the long haul. And part of that is motivation. We can't be motivated by guilt or approval or even church growth or even revival. I learned years ago, and God really spoke to me, this will probably be my tombstone, that the only enduring motive for prayer is that God is worthy to be sought. Mm-hmm. And and if that gets embedded in the soul of a leader, he's not going to give up, and he's going to stay the course, and he's going to see fruit and results and transformation. Um, but but you just have to keep that in mind. And, and the Lord also taught me, Jason, that as leaders, we've just got to develop a dream of dying on our knees. This is not a short-term fix. You know, th- this is our calling. And and from from now till the day we cross the line into glory, we will be faithful to seek the Lord, to invite our people to seek the Lord, uh, to see God do things only God can do so that we might witness supernatural gospel advancement in our day. And that's the kind of resolve I think it, it really takes to stick with it in spite of all the trends and the pressures of the day and even the demands of our own people. Amen. That's so solid, brother. Thank you so much, Daniel. <laughs> um, I, I, it's it's crazy. I, we could obviously talk for for hours on end. Um, and in 30 minutes, you offer up so much. You know, just last 25 or 30 <laughs> minutes, you offer so much. I've got literally a page full of notes as you're talking. I'm jotting <laughs> things down for for myself, um, which oh, is fantastic stuff. And and Daniel, we'll we'll have links in the show notes too. You mentioned a lot of different resources. I know. That at Strategic Renewal, you guys have uh, published a lot of a lot of really great resources. But you also do, and you mentioned a little bit of this, and and I'd like you just to share a little bit more about the coaching because you do have some very practical coaching. The way that you kind of step um, ministry leaders and pastors through that, I think, is is um, is really really significant. So, could you just talk to us briefly about what what does that kind of coaching look like? Well, it's really one of the joys of my life. Uh, it started with my board wanting me not to travel so much so that I could sit in front of a laptop in my PJs if I needed to, you know, <laughs> and just coach pastors from all around the world. But as I said, almost 500, maybe over now, 500 pastors have gone through this, and it's on seven vital principles for developing a life-giving culture of prayer in your church. And uh, we meet via Zoom. The groups are no more than nine at the most, so that it can be very interactive uh, the pastors watch videos and do reading uh, about an hour and a half a week. 
We actually meet every other week and, and over a course of 90 days. So there's seven sessions that last about an hour and a half. And we start each one with scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. I, I'll pick a text and we'll pray out of it and model that together. And then really, these guys have to start by interviewing their staff, their elders, anybody in the leadership team to figure out where are we really, honestly, based on the input of a lot of people in our prayer culture. Because coaching is taking you from where you are to where you need to go, right? So you better know where you are to start with. Mm-hmm. And then they're viewing a lot of these resources with their teams. They're doing the homework. And on our online cohorts, we're basically helping them make application and apply those tools to their own unique context. And we have had pastors um, in the same group, one guy pre-launch, another guy leading a church of 15,000, right? Mm. Uh, The principles are the same, and it doesn't matter uh, your culture, your context. We've had guys from probably seven or eight different countries in these cohorts, and it's just our passion these guys call it the other 50 percent of their lead, of their seminary training. And uh, that's really what it is, you know, like prayer and the ministry of the word. But most of us, honestly, Jason, just didn't get the prayer part in seminary. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I, you know, keep my own rhythms right? How do I lead this? How do I actually facilitate prayer times people want to come to? And how do we see this become a palpable culture in our church? So, uh, that's really what it's all about, and uh, we we just really, really love it. Uh, we feel, and let me just say this, Jason, we're all praying for revival, praying for what I would say are the fruits of revival. What we feel called to is to grow the roots of revival, because you can't have fruits without roots. And we believe the root system of revival is praying people who support praying pastors, who lead praying churches for supernatural gospel impact. And I believe, honestly, you know, I'm I'm probably overstating this because I'm so excited about it. But, Jason, I believe if we could equip pastors by the hundreds and the thousands more effectively to just be praying pastors in the context of their own church, and that began to happen in hundreds, thousands, scores of thousands of churches more effectively, I think the Lord will be pleased to do something truly supernatural. We call it revival, whatever term you want to use as we grow those roots so that we can really have lasting fruits beyond just temporary events or themes or whatever. But it really is a palpable, organic movement of God's people becoming a house of prayer for all nations. Excellent, Daniel. Excellent. And, and that's uh, to get more information, prayercoaching.com, correct? Correct. Yep. Excellent. Yep. And then, of course, Strategic Renewal. Um, you can find lots of the other resources, strategicrenewal.com. And again, we'll have links to those in our show notes. Uh, Daniel, it's um, always uh, just so encouraging and and really just <laughs> so it just fills me up just every time I have the opportunity to, to sit and talk with you. And I'm sure our listeners are feeling the same way. So I just want to thank you again for your ministry. Thank you for taking the time to speak into lives of pastors and ministry leaders here on the podcast. Thank you, Jason. It's a blessing, and God bless you as you continue to serve. All right. Thank you, brother. Don't forget to check out the new faith-based film about Jeremy Camp's incredible true life story, I Still Believe. And you can get group tickets for your church or your small group or another ministry group by visiting istillbelievemovie.com and clicking group tickets. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. 
Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.